0: walking with jesus serving with love and sharing with courage welcome to the pecan podcast Hello friends, it's Pastor Courtney. Welcome back to the PCOM Podcast. It is so good to be with you. We are in a season where we are talking about politics on the podcast. Is that wise? I am hoping and praying that it is. (laughs) Stick with me. I know as the election draws ever nearer, many of us begin to grow weary of politics, of getting the political robocalls, and perhaps... Uh, the knocks on the door, the mailings, the commercials that interrupt other things we're trying to watch. It just, it gets to be a lot, doesn't it? It really does. It gets to be very, very noisy out there. So one of my goals in the next weeks of this podcast are to help us be together a people of prayer, a people who like Jesus are willing to walk up on the metaphorical mountain where the air is clear and where there is silence so that we can think and pray so that we can ask God for wisdom so that we like Jesus can look up to the heavens and talk to our heavenly father and say, lead us, guide us. You are our God. Rather than listening to pundits, rather than listening to fear-based <laughs> political ads, rather than listening to all of the cacophony of sounds that surround us, to listen to Jesus, to listen deeply and wisely to the words of scripture and to the wisdom that is available to us. So that is my that is my hope. That is my prayer for you, for each of us as we are in this political season. Um, I was thinking last week, so on occasion, Daryl and I have packed up the kids to drive down to uh, just north of San Diego where Daryl's aunt and uncle live. And they have this backyard pool, so we're able to go and just be outdoors. They they sit 10 feet away uh, from us to make sure that there's no germ transmission or anything like that because they're both working and in active hospitals and surgical centers and things like that. And we wanna keep them safe, they wanna keep us safe. But it has been great. It's been great to see them. Our kids have just relished swimming down there. Um, Judd will go, and Judd is Daryl's uncle. He will go grab a pizza at some point, which the kids think really is the best thing ever. Um, And the kids eat a pizza, and we all get a little change of scenery. Uh, But Daryl's aunt and uncle, Jill and Judd, are incredibly lovely people. They're both doctors, and so we often pick their brains. What are they thinking about what's broken in our medical system, what's working well in our medical system? And as we were down there a couple of weeks ago, Daryl's cousin Julie, who is in medical school, she stopped by and we asked her some of the same questions and It led us into a really spirited debate, and Daryl and I weren't weighing in, we were just listening, but um, each of the three of them fall in different places on the political spectrum, and each of them has different experiences as a doctor that have shaped and guided those positions, and what I came away thinking was... These are three of the smartest people I know. (laughs) They are deeply wise. They are deeply kind. They are so committed to the field that they are serving in. And there are no easy answers for how to fix what is broken in our medical system. And I know from speaking with many of you that you've had incredible care at the hands of doctors and nurses and hospitals in our area. And I know from speaking to others of you that you've had really frustrating encounters, or it's taken a really long time to get in for an important surgery, or insurance didn't cover something you thought it would cover. And it's clear that much of our system works very well, and some of it works not at all. (laughs) And it was really fascinating to hear these three people I love and respect so much um, have these really different opinions on what needs to be fixed. And what I came away with was just thinking so many of these issues are so much more complicated than we often make them out to be. They were delving into these complexities and nuances in a way that was really enlightening to me because often as someone outside the medical profession, I just read the headline or I just get the soundbite or I just make a quick snap judgment. But like anything else, When a system is this big, the healthcare system, the medical system, it is very complex and the answers will need to be very complex. And often that answer is not far to the right. It's not far to the left. It's somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere when both sides begin to listen and learn and compromise and say, gosh, you have a point there. The first rule in high school debate class was you have to be able to understand your opponent's position well enough to argue for that position, though you disagree with it. You have to know it well enough to be able to argue for it. And that is a skill that I think we are gradually losing as a culture, as a people. It is much easier to just dig in and to demonize the other side and to say, those people over there, they don't know anything. They're so wrong, misguided, this, that, start name calling. But the grace is often found right in the middle. And we see this in Jesus' ministry. We, I was reading just the other day, the story in the gospels where Jesus is he's feasting with his disciples and the Pharisees are like, you, what are you doing? You're, you're a glutton. You're a drunkard. And Jesus says, John's disciples were fasting and you criticize them for, for fasting, for being too buttoned up and rigid. And Jesus is essentially saying, you just can't win with some people, right? If you fast, then you're too joyless. And if you feast, then you're, you're too, you're too over the top. And The truth, as for many things, lies somewhere in the middle. Jesus is saying, the disciples are feasting with me now because I will not always be with them. This is the time for feasting. The time for fasting will come. It is not that one is right and one is wrong. It's that there is a time. There is a time for each of these things. So that was a long way of saying the goal of today's podcast, the theme of today's podcast is informing ourselves on the right and informing ourselves on the left. As I've said before in last week's podcast, and I will continue to say, I am not going to tell you who I think you should vote for. I'm not going to lean heavily on one side or the other. My goal is that we would learn to listen to one another with love, that we would learn to love one another even when we land on different points on the political spectrum, especially as we are leading up to this election. I was listening to a podcast this week where the host of the podcast said, you know, I'd been reading this book and I spoke to a friend and said, I'm just so frustrated because the author has these inconsistencies. There are inconsistencies in the text. And the friend said, well, what if you read it and assumed that the author had a purpose? that the author did those things knowingly and willfully, how would it change your reading of the text? And the podcast host said, well, it would change it tremendously. I'd be looking at the text with love rather than suspicion. And do you really think that the author was intentional? And the friend said, well, most authors are pretty intentional. Some authors are lazy and sloppy, but a lot of authors, especially when they have books that rise to the bestseller list, like the one this podcast host was speaking of, And the host said that just really changed the way that she read. She said, my goal became to read with love, to read through a lens of love, of loving the author, of loving the text, of loving the characters, of loving my neighbor. And that changed everything. And so that's my challenge for us this week, that we would look at the opposite political party from where we stand with love, with a posture of openness, with a posture of wanting to learn and to understand to understand the motivation. Why is that political party attractive to so many people? Why does it draw so many people? Who does it draw? And to seek not first to be understood as St. Francis once so famously penned, but to understand and to live in that position of love. So how do we do that? How do we begin doing that? We begin doing that by, first, we go up to the mountain with Jesus. We turn off The television, we turn off the computer, we turn off all of the social media, we take a break, we take a breather, and we clear our heads. It is really difficult to think lovingly and charitably when there is shouting all around us. As a parent of three young kids, I find that by the end of the day, when I'm trying to prep dinner, and two or three of them are in the middle of a cage match with each other because someone wanted someone else's marker and someone wasn't sharing someone's chair and they're yelling. It is so. It is the biggest challenge of my day to be gracious and loving. And I do not always succeed because when they're shouting all around, it makes you want to shout too. It makes me want to shout too. And so sometimes right before dinner, what I'm doing is apologizing for shouting. It's really hard it is much harder to be gracious when there's shouting all around. So the first step is leaning into our devotional lives, leaning into those silences, those spiritual practices, things like listening prayer, things like moving our bodies, things like practicing stillness and silence and solitude, and maybe... You've been on your own a lot during this pandemic and you think silence and solitude are the last things I need, but there is a big difference between being alone and practicing silence and solitude. You can be alone and you can fill every waking hour with noise, or you can really intentionally say, I'm turning things off right now. Jesus, I am here. I love you. I'm listening. So first we clear our heads. We climb up on the mountaintop with Jesus. And then, and this is echoing what Daryl spoke of in his sermon two Sundays ago, we want to learn to read and listen thoughtfully to both sides. So my guess is you're fairly familiar with the voices you like to listen to on your side of the aisle. You have your, your newspaper or your news channel or your websites that you browse and you tend to go to the same cycle of places. It's interesting. Those cycles are often formed very early for us. They're often formed um, when we are young adults, when we are in college or just out of college. And you may be reading the same publications that you were drawn to um, early in life, or you may have made a change later in life. Um, My dad speaks of uh, his time at Wheaton College, where Time Magazine would come out on Tuesdays, and they would be in all the students' mailboxes, and then chapel would happen soon after those time magazines were put into students' mailboxes. And so one, one chapel day, the speaker on the stage said, all right, I can see what you're all doing. Everybody hold up your time magazines and everybody, everybody in the auditorium held up their time magazines. No one was listening to the chapel speaker. Um, but my dad for years and years subscribed to time magazine because it was something that was formed really early for him. Um, so my guess is you have some, some sites that you visit or a news channel that you love, and you're familiar with what's on your side of the aisle, but what I want to do today is to suggest some resources for both sides of the aisle, and these are purposefully center right and center left. I'm not going far, far right and I'm not going far, far left because I think often we will find the most thoughtful, nuanced arguments there in that center part over the aisle rather than the extremes. We can learn things from the extremes. They they exist often for a reason and they are often reactionary against something that's happening on the other side, but it's good to start in these centrist places because we can often find some touch points, some commonalities in these places. So. Um, some suggestions for the left and for the right. And I imagine these suggestions will make some of you angry. (laughs) And again, I am not, uh, I am not trying to sway anyone politically. The goal is that we would all become more thoughtfully informed as we work to become more thoughtfully loving and wise. So email me let me know what I've left off the list or what should be at a different place on the list, because often we will think whatever is our position is middle of the road, but whatever is farther to one side or the other than we are, that's extreme. Um, so we may disagree on these things, but I have Um, gathered these resources from a number of PCOM members, some conversations, some texts, some emails um, from a variety of different political opinions at PCOM. Um, So they come from me, but they also come from you. (laughs) But if you think I'm wrong, send me an email, send me an email and let's talk. Um, So here are some suggestions. First, a suggestion to be able to listen to many sides at the same time. There is a podcast put out by the New York Times every Thursday morning called The Argument. It is hosted by Ross Douthat, who is a well-known conservative, and Michelle Goldberg, who is a well-known progressive. And Michelle and Ross go back and forth on a hot-button issue of the day. So they have talked about everything from abortion to gun control to immigration to what's going on with this election season. There is always, uh, almost always a third member of their party. It was Frank Bruni for a while, um, but he is stepping down and someone else, not sure who yet, is going to take his place. Um, But I have found it really helpful to hear arguments framed from a conservative point of view and a progressive point of view from two people who genuinely seem to get along the way they disagree with each other is almost always charitable, and um, it's a helpful model not only for these arguments on the right and on the left, but also, I believe, for how to have dialogue and disagreement with people, friends, relatives, neighbors, colleagues when you disagree without just writing the other person off, Um, which is a it's a very serious temptation, especially as we head toward an election and tempers and anxieties are running really high. So the argument is a New York times podcast. I will link to all of these resources in the show notes and me linking to them as your pastor is not saying I highly recommend everything this resource puts out. It is merely saying here are some available resources so that you can begin to read and become informed on both sides. All right. So first, the argument on NPR. It's a Thursday morning podcast. Here are some resources that lean conservative right. The New York Times columnist I mentioned earlier, Ross Douthat. He is a conservative Catholic writer, the National Review, the Dispatch, the Daily Wire, the Federalist, And first things first, things is a Catholic publication as well. What we often find um, in the in the public square is a lot of these more conservative resources have Catholic roots, Um, in part because the Catholic Church has always been a staunch proponent of the sanctity of life and um, just profound, profound believer um, that abortion is wrong. It needs to be needs to be not just safe, legal, and rare, but um, but gone, um, impossible and that every human life matters and needs to be cared for. So those are some center right resources. What did I miss? Write and tell me about it. Uh, Notice I'm not putting any TV channels on the list and that is really intentional. Daryl also spoke of this in his sermon that we, we gain a lot by, by consuming media actively reading or listening versus viewing. And what gets high ratings on television is fear-based often. Um, It is often fear-based. So the more anxious a television program can make us, the more likely we are to continue tuning into it. Um, And that's just not a really healthy dynamic. So I would really highly recommend that if you are a household where the news is on often, um, that you would consider turning it off that you would consider turning the news off and instead consuming in smaller doses, even though there's a 24 hour news cycle, it doesn't usually mean there are 24 hours where you need to be tuned into the news. Um, once a day is usually fine. If, if aliens have landed in Long Beach, your neighbor will ring your doorbell and tell you. <laughs> um, so I really, really encourage you, especially as we get nearer and nearer to the election, to turn off whether you're a Fox News person or an MSNBC person or somewhere in between um, to get most of your news through reading and not just scrolling on a screen reading, but uh, consider subscribing to a few actual, tangible publications, print, media, newspapers, magazines. Have them come to your house and sit quietly and read. Sit thoughtfully and read rather than letting the talking heads on TV tell you what to think. Um, All right, so those are the resources on the right. On the left, resources that lean center-left, The New York Times, Politico, The Hill, NPR, and when I speak to my more progressive friends, they're, they're often shocked that National Public Radio is considered center-left. But if you're on the right, you're nodding your head right now saying, absolutely, right? So it's all a matter of per- perspective. Uh, NPR, National Public Radio, and The Atlantic. Most of those are – oh, and, and the BBC News as well. BBC News. Oh, and I'm looking at my notes. Apologies. And something that also leans center-right is The Economist the publication, The Economist. I will link to these in the show notes, the center right and the center left. Um, And I welcome your feedback. I welcome your thoughts. What are you listening to? What are you reading that has been life-giving, that has helped you love your neighbors well? Tell me about it. Write and tell me about it. All right, we are going to turn to our scripture and rather than read the scripture that I will be preaching about next Sunday, I wanted instead to share with you something from the book of Proverbs. As I think about this upcoming election season, I keep going back to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. Where do we find it? How do we get it? Why is it so hard? Why do so few people seem to have it? And I wanted to read you from the book of Proverbs, chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. These are the benefits of wisdom. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What always strikes me about the book of Proverbs is that wisdom, wisdom is there for the taking, but we have to take it. We have to seek it. We have to go after it with everything we are and everything we have. And wisdom is found in scripture, but also all truth is God's truth. All wisdom is God's wisdom. So what we learn through our experiences, what we glean through conversations, what we study in science, all of these things, all of these things are God's wisdom and we can and should learn from them and from from experts in various fields. What a gift it is to live in a world where we can learn and glean knowledge from experts. I I will remember that conversation with Daryl's aunt and uncle and cousin for the rest of my life. It was such a gift to be part of a spirited debate um, from three people who are working every day to make the world a better place, Um, as we all are in our own little corners of the world and whatever it is that we are doing so those are um those are some resources. And now uh I have a new little lead-in to the recommendations section of the podcast. So thanks to Gene Roberson, this is part of his Good Friday service. Here is our lead-in, musical lead-in to the recommendation section. Thank you, Jean. You're awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, All right. Recommendations for this week. First, recommendation. Daryl and I um, watched the musical The Greatest Showman last week. And we had seen it years ago. We hadn't seen it recently. And we just loved it. We just loved it. Uh, P.T. Barnum in real life was not such a great guy. He was kind of a huckster. He was was a great showman, but he wasn't always on the up and up with his business practices. So this movie has largely fictionalized his life. Um, He's not He's not a full-on aspirational figure in real life, um, but this musical is just so much fun. It's so much fun. The music is fabulous. The dancing is wonderful. Um, Hugh Jackman and Michelle Williams are just fantastic powerhouse acting team. Um, I, I loved it, and I've been we've been singing the songs in our kitchen all week. I will link to it in the show notes. It's uh, it's available on Disney Plus. You can also purchase it or rent it. Um, highly, highly recommend the movie. And if you're going to watch the movie, I'm also going to link to a YouTube video where they show this song. The main, main song of the show is a song called, this is me. And it's sung by the bearded lady in the circus, just how her life has been so difficult. um, But part of her growth has been being able to say as part of this show, as part of this circus, this is who I am. This is how God made me essentially, right? Like it's, I didn't choose to be the bearded lady, but I am. And it's this beautiful empowerment ballad, but there is an early YouTube video of when this song was workshopped for the first time. And the actress who sings it is a little bit shy and withdrawn, but as she sings, this whole room comes to life and you see all of these young college age musicians who are there to help workshop the song. They are not the actors who are in the final version of the movie. They're just there to help sing and hopefully get this musical approved for production um Hugh Jackman is sitting there at the at the table and he had just had uh, skin cancer surgery, and so he's got stitches in his face and he's not supposed to sing. But as this song goes on and gains power, you see the mood in the room change. You see the actress's mood change. And by the end, Hugh Jackman is singing along so strongly that he breaks some stitches and ends up bleeding, um, which you don't see on the video. It's just part of the it's part of the side story. But it was such a reminder for me of the power of art, and how in seasons like this that are so uncertain as we're facing such great cultural anxiety with the pandemic and the election and and so many other things, right? Kids going back to school and protests over racial injustice and riots in some places and violence, that art is such a balm and it is such a gift and it is such a meaningful and important part of our lives that art is not optional, that art is not frivolous. I have turned more to music and poetry in this season. I don't write poetry, but reading poetry and playing music or listening to music than I have my entire life and not as an escape, but as a way to commune with God and remember that the world is the Lord's and beauty is everywhere. So Greatest Showman, highly recommend. I will also link to that workshop video. It is profound. I played it for Daryl the other day, and he's watched it five or six times since. It is it is one of the more moving videos I've, I've ever seen. So Greatest Showman is my recommendation for movie. If you're ready for a movie night, it's rated PG. So probably for kids seven or eight years old and older, it'd be completely appropriate. Um, there are some... There's a, there's a fire in one part that I think would be a little too scary for my own kids, but someday I'm looking forward to watching it with them. And second recommendation, and I have recommended this before, but I'm going to recommend it again because it has been a real encouragement and lifeline to me is the podcast, the Osterholm update. It is Dr. Michael Osterholm out of the university of Minnesota. He's part of an organization there called CIDRAP the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Prevention, and he's an epidemiologist. He's worked under the last five presidential administrations. Uh, He's bipartisan. He is non-anxious. He is data-driven. He is so thoughtful, and in a season where it feels like the headlines change day to day, things are good, things are terrible, the worst is coming, the worst is over, to be able to listen to someone who has decades and decades of expertise in this field, and listen to his wisdom, his thoughtfulness, he answers questions, you can send him an email, and also his predictions. And he has been spot on. Um, So far in this pandemic, he has been spot on. So he talks about the vaccine research, he talks about um, the upcoming flu season and what to expect. Um, But I just he has ministered to me. Um, he, I don't know if he is a religious person. I suspect that he is. You can often read between the lines with people, and I suspect that he is a man of faith. Um, but he has been, in a way, a pandemic pastor to me, just in his kindness and his thoughtfulness and his data-driven ability to uh, talk, talk about what is happening and parse what is happening and talk about what might come next. So Osterholm update, highly, highly recommend. I will link to that in the show notes as well. All right, friends. That was a lot. That was a whole lot. Thank you for sticking with me. It is so good to be with you. Send me your questions, Courtney.ellis at mypcom.com, political questions or any other type. I would love to connect with you over those questions or over anything else. Thank you for taking the time. It has been good to be with you. I'll be back again next Tuesday. And until then, take care, be well, and God bless.